Oh, there you go. That's a nice little break. Cuteness overload, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, that little, those, that, those couple, um, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're going around the traps. That video has gone viral. Uh, you might have seen it before. They performed on Ellen. If you're an, well, I hope, yeah, if you're an Ellen fan, I hope you get more to life than that. But anyway, um, but she performed, they performed on Ellen. It was really quite cute. Um, we're going to ask the question about friendship today and what makes a good friend and looking at faithfulness in our relationships, this next uh, part of our series on the fruit of the Spirit. So let me pray and ask God to help us uh, understand his word. We'll focus mostly on Lamentations 3. We're going to jump around a little bit as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for friendships. We thank you for relationships. We pray, Lord, as we open your word in a number of different places. We pray, Father, that we understand more of your goodness and faithfulness to us and that what that means in the way we relate to each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what makes a good friend? That's a fair question to ask, isn't it? Um, for Michelle and I, I think uh, what's very important to us and what we value is history, uh, time spent with, uh, with friends. That makes a good friend. I think two other people would answer, well, fun, uh, kindness, um, a sense of adventure. That part of that cute song's lyrics, I think the guy who wrote it, his name's Randy Norman. I think that's it. Newman, that's it. That's it. I didn't write it down, but Newman. Um, he, so I think he's, there's this sense of in the song that a good friend is someone who's got your back. You know, a good friend is someone who, who will be there with you the whole time, uh, be there for, for you. So when the road, what does it say? When the road looks rough ahead, of course, the song was made famous, the Toy Story movies, I believe, anyway. Um, and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed. You just remember what your old pal said. Boy, you've got a friend in me. Now, my guess is um, that most of us, when we answer that question, what makes a good friend or good relationships even, I'd have to say that trust or a loyalty, surely that would be up there. I read an article, and I'm not trying to get political here, but I read an article the other day that uh, surveyed um, the supporters of the present uh, US president, Donald Trump, and those supporters overwhelmingly voted and, and said that they did not care if their chosen leader lies. Um, interesting little aspect of society in the States at least but I suspect that if he was their friend they would care wouldn't they you'd care if you if, if your friend lies to you so reliability trustfulness uh, sorry truthfulness uh, loyalty trust or what the Bible calls faithfulness I suspect that's what many of us would believe and would want makes for a good friend or even just good relationships. In fact, faithfulness, God says, this next fruit in our, uh, of the next fruit of the Spirit in our series makes for good relationships. Those who are led by the Spirit, who are, those who are led by the Spirit are loyal, they're dependable, one can count on them. They are, like God Himself, faithful. These are, we remember, the fruit of God's Spirit, they're characteristics of God. So because God is faithful, because he can be relied upon, his people are to be faithful too. And the Spirit enables them to, to be so. So Galatians 5, to 23, and we can see it up on the screen there. As we've seen, it's a description or it's a list of God's characteristics. 
And when a follower of Jesus is led by God's Spirit, these fruit show themselves in our lives. Now, over the next, well, over the last few weeks, what, what have we been doing? Well, we've been seeing God's character, haven't we? But these fruit, when you see them up there, they're also about how we relate to each other. That's what they are. In response to God's work in our lives, in response to us belonging to Jesus and so on. So like these other fruit, the faithfulness we read of here is, that, is in the context of human relationships. Now, what we want to say, therefore, as we just start things off, is that faithfulness listed here is not so much about our personal faith between, between me and God. Okay, it's not so much about that. Other parts of the Bible talk about that for sure. But instead, the focus of the faithfulness here is in the context of relationships, how we relate to each other. So it's not so much about the vertical, right, between us and God. This here is about the horizontal. It's about relationships. It's about us, each other. So today, let, let's once again examine God's character. Let's see what God is like. And as we belong to the Lord Jesus, as we crucify the sinful nature with its passions and desires, and as we are led by God's Spirit, the fruit of faithfulness, we're going to pray, will grow out like fruit from a vine in our lives. So if you haven't already, uh, have, your outline's useful to have out open in front of you. Jot a few things down. We hopefully will get a few minutes or a minute or so to ask a question or a comment at the end. Um, but really what we're doing, we're, we're, we're saying, it's very, very simple this morning. We're, we're seeing how great God's faithfulness is. And then we're going to ask a question about our own faithfulness, those horizontal relationships. So we're going, how great is God's faithfulness? Now, Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 don't look it up it's going to be up on the screen now read in the moment but it tells us that god is faithful he keeps his promises deuteronomy tells us that god is trustworthy you can depend on his word he will keep his oath now israel so deuteronomy is a whole bunch of sermons as the as by the moses god's prophet at the time whole bunch of sermons as the people await to enter the promised land literally their toes dipping in the water of the jordan about to enter the land that god has promised them and so God, uh, through his prophet Moses, speaks to them. They are his chosen people. They are a rescued and redeemed people. They are a covenant people. God has promised things to them. He's promised a land to them. They are a people under the promise. So Moses says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God. Compared to the other ones, man, the other one, don't trust them at all. He's the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love that goes all the way back to Abraham in Genesis 12, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Now, it's what the old hymn we sung just a moment ago uh, celebrates. Thomas Chisholm celebrates this hymn. It's his words, uh, you can see some of them up there. Great is thy faithfulness. O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. He's steadfast. Thou changest not. He doesn't change. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. It's old language, but you get it, don't you? 
Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning. New mercies I see, all I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Ah, just magnificent words, aren't they? Of course, they're not Chisholm's words, really. They're words from Lamentations 3, uh, what Adrian read out to us a few moments before. I, I must admit, I tend to like, um, and I've got it up on the screen in a moment, the, um, the, the ESV reading of it, because it uses, because the hymn um, and the ESV reading matches. I, I just like that. So here's Lamentations 3, 22 to 24, um, not from the NIV, from the ESV, only because it mentions mercies, and I like that. So bear with me. Um, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is, thy, is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The, the story of how Chisholm came to write this great hymn reveals a profound truth about God's faithfulness. Some, um, you know, some great hymns are... They're written in response to a dramatic spiritual experience. So, if you, for example, Horatio Spatford wrote um, "It Is Well." Uh, that that's a story. He wrote that in response to losing his half his family in a shipwreck, and he and he hears of news, and he, he writes, "It is well with my soul." Amazing. Him. Look into it if you want to another time. But that's not the case with "Great Is Thy Faithfulness." Chisholm did not have this single experience of God moving in his life particularly. No, no, it was a lifetime of God's faithful care. That's what he writes in response to. So not long before his death, this is what Chisholm wrote. My income has never been large at any time due to impaired health in the early years which has followed me on, on until now. But I must not fail to record here the unfailing faithfulness of a covenant-keeping God and that he has given me many wonderful displays of his providing care, which had filled me with astonishing gratefulness. Great words, aren't they? Just at the end of his life, that's what he says. Nothing particularly special or fantastic or exciting happened to him. He's just thankful for God's faithfulness. Now, when we put the text of Chisholm's hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, and we, we put it back and look back into Lamentations 3, into its biblical context, the wonder of God's providing care, I think, becomes all the more apparent. Now, Lamentations 3, these words of Jeremiah the prophet, the words of a survivor witnessing his beloved Jerusalem being judged by God, being torn apart by the invading Babylonians, He's a man who's suffered a great deal personally, but also his suffering speaks of Israel's suffering and judgment as well. He suffered great evil, but he does not abandon his confidence in God's faithfulness. Indeed, it was because Jeremiah suffered so greatly that he was able to appreciate, look at verse 22, he was able to appreciate these, I'm sorry, verse 23, these little mercies that are new every morning, these compassions that never fail, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. There's a little poem, uh, not that I'm a great reader of poetry, don't get me wrong there at all, but a little poem that I came across that I think explains this and um, helps us understand it well. This is what it says, I walked a mile with pleasure, 
She she chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow and near a word, said she, but oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. So Jeremiah's sorrows, what he saw and experienced with his own eyes, and, and many are recorded in Lamentations, they produce character. They produce God's character. Among the many things he learned from his sufferings were the important truths of the nature and character of God. He had learned to praise God for his love, his compassion and his covenant faithfulness through all the things he experienced. It's worth noting too in verse 20, uh, this is verse 22. You see there it says, for his compassions never fail. Some versions have, his mercies never fail. They're, they're not singular. Do you see that? It's plural. God's mercies. They're new every morning. So with each, with each new morning, this uh, weeping prophet, as some of these uh, theologians call him, this weeping prophet had fresh experiences of God's love, mercy and faithfulness even in the context of watching his beloved Jerusalem fall apart, fall apart God judging Jerusalem, who had, who had taken their, their eyes off God, who had not fixed their eyes on him at all, who had been unfaithful to him. Even in that context, he knew every morning he found uh, reasons to thank God. See, I suspect, likewise, it's, it's not that hard for us to find such mercies, in our lives uh, today tomorrow tomorrow morning the next morning it shouldn't be that hard should it for us to find new mercies compassions they're new every morning uh, great is God's faithfulness like Jeremiah Hosea also cried out to the Lord we know a bit more about Hosea because we looked at Hosea last year but I'll give you a bit of a brief rundown he again is desperately watching on as Israel was unfaithful to their God just like his adulterous wife that God called him to marry yet again as we learned last year God would, would remain faithful to his promises even though Israel did not and this is what the Lord declared to his people Hosea 2 and I will betroth you to me forever this is God's promise to those people to his people I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. So how would God do this? How would, he, how would God betroth his people in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy, in faithfulness? Well, the, an, the answer is, and the Bible tells us, by his son Jesus Christ, who died to make us righteous through faith in him. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. It was God's love for the world that he gave his only son. He is the faithful and true witness, John declared in Revelation, who gave himself for his bride. A 2 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us that as surely as God is faithful, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. God is faithful. He is dependable. We can trust him. The cross and, his and Jesus' resurrection proved that beyond a doubt. 
So we need to stop and pause, don't we? And, and we need to ask ourselves, well, do we trust in God? Do you really trust Him? Or does your life just plot along and you leave God out of the picture? Do you really trust Him? Because we can. We can trust Him. The, the, the cross and the resurrection prove that. We can trust that He's in control. If you believe in the Lord Jesus, the Bible says you'll be saved. There's a promise that God will keep. If you, you have eternal life, Jesus says, a promise that God keeps like all his promises. You have God's spirit in you. you, you that's why God can, can promise in his word that God will never leave you or forsake you, ever. And in fact, nothing will separate you from the love of, Christ, love of God that's in Christ Jesus. So do you believe do you trust in God's promises? Do we trust in God that He is faithful? Well, so let's go back to Galatians chapter 5. We've got to say, because, because God is faithful, because faithfulness characterizes God, because He can be relied upon by God's Spirit, His people are to be faithful too. So, so far, that's what we've done. We've seen abundant evidence. We could talk about it for a lot longer. Um, abundant evidence of God's faithfulness. And then now what we're going to do is we're going to say, as Galatians 5 says, in response to that, because we have God's Spirit in us, we're going to see that actually we should be faithful to each other, just like God is faithful to us. So God's people are to be known for their faithfulness, their trustworthiness, their reliability, their depend, they're, de they're dependable people, honest, who keep their word, who fulfill their promises, even when it's difficult to do so. It's why the Apostle Paul told uh, Timothy to look for faithful people and entrust them with the teaching of the gospel. Every Christian, in some degree, is to be a good steward of the Word of God, to look after it, like the apostles did, of course, like teachers and leaders. They're to be found trustworthy so as not to malign the Word of God. They're faithful people. So it begs the question, and something we ought to ask ourselves, if I can put it this way, taking a little bit of poetic license, how great is my faithfulness? That's what we need to ask ourselves. How great is my faithfulness? I did a quick Google search on um, faithful relationships, as you do. You know, it's what you have to do as you're writing a sermon, I suppose. And the first 10 results came up were things like, well they, were, well, they were all to do with pets. When we talk about faithfulness, apparently we should talk about our animals and our dogs and our cats. Uh, faithfulfriend.com got the first five results. Don't look it up. It's just about pets and cute dogs and things. So stories about, you know... Rover the dog who never left his father's side as the avalanche surged toward them. Faithful dog. Uh, or Roger the cat. I made this one up, but anyway. Roger the cat who rescued his owner from the burning building again. Um, yeah, that's all well and good. That's lovely to tell lovely stories about cats and dogs and faithfulness. But no, no, no. Galatians 5 is all about human relationships. We've seen that already. It's all about how we relate to each other. You can have a faithful dog and a faithful cat and you can be faithful to them, but that doesn't mean anything really uh, with Galatians 5. So let's focus there. The fruit of the Spirit is relational. Galatians 5, 22 to 23 is a description of what Spirit-led relationships look like. So those who are led by the Spirit who belong to Jesus demonstrate faithfulness like God. Faithful relationships, reliable, loyal, courageous in that sense. Christian friendships, relationships, therefore, well, they're not opportunistic. Let's say that. Uh, a friend only in good times, as long as it suits me. Uh, that's, that's not Christian relationships. 
Faithful relationships led by the Spirit are dependable even in tough times or when it's difficult or awkward, a friend in need. Such relationships of genuine love and support actually ought to characterise our church. A couple of years ago, I, was, I remember very, very clearly watching, um, and I've spoken about this before, I'll speak about it probably another time, so settle in. Um, uh, you know, when, when Mick, Mick Fanning, the Australian surfer, was attacked by a shark, um, you, you saw it, it was live on, on the internet, live on TV. I remember I was watching it live, there it was. Uh, incredible thing to happen. But with him in the water was his mate for many years, a guy called Julian Wilson. So two guys in the water who were, uh, that was the final of this prestigious surfing competition, the Jeffreys Bay competition in South Africa. And there was Julian Wilson, Mick Fanning. And what I thought was just so extraordinary, extraordinary braveness and courage and faithfulness to his friendship was that Mick um, as Mick Fanning was being attacked by this great white shark, instead of paddling for the rocks and getting out there as soon as he could, what does his mate Julian Wilson do? He paddles towards him. He paddles to help him. You can watch the video. He's about 50 metres away. He could easily get out of the water, but he paddles toward his friend. Now, that, that's what faithfulness means, I think, here in Galatians 5. It means that dependability. It means that... Uh, reliable, not op- opportunistic, fair-weather friends, but genuine, loyal, faithful in good times and in bad, in times under great pressure, in, in times, uh, in very difficult times. So there's one aspect of faithfulness and friendships I guess we could explore a bit further, maybe over a cup of tea. Um, another one is that those who belong to Jesus, growing the fruit of faithfulness, are also trustworthy. That's what faithfulness means too, doesn't it? They, they keep their word, their, their promise, just like God does to us. I read this helpful illustration, I think, which neatly describes the faithful, trustworthy friend. Uh, so a teacher, a teacher shows three toys to a student. Imagine three toys, if you like. Um, and, and then the teacher asks the student to find out the differences. All three toys seem to be identical in their shape and size and in their material. Now, after keen observation, the student observes holes in the toys. So the first toy has a hole in each ear. The second toy has holes in the ear and in the mouth. And the third toy has only one hole in one ear. Then, with the help of a needle, the student puts the needle in the hole, uh, in the ear hole of the first toy. And the needle then comes out the other ear. In the second toy, when the needle is put in, the needle comes out the mouth. You see, you follow me so far? And the third toy, when the needle's put in, well, it stays in. It doesn't go anywhere. You see, the first toy represents those people, I guess, who give the impression they're listening to you and that they care for you, but they're just sort of pretending to do so. It's not really genuine. And so after listening, well, then the needle just comes out. It comes in one ear and out the other. The second toy represents people who listen to you and give the impression that they care for you, but as, the, as in the toy, the needle then comes out of the mouth. So I guess this is what Galatians 5 refers to as a gossip and slander. They're, they're jealous, they use your words and feelings to make them feel and look better. Galatians 5 also calls it selfish ambition. So it comes in the ear, they listen, then it comes out to everyone. 
The third toy is what we're going to focus on. The third, third toy is the trustworthy relationship, faithful relationship. You see, of course, it comes in the ear and then it stays. Uh, here is the faithful friend, the trustworthy workmate, the reliable, loyal brother or sister. Um, I used to be a bit of a Seinfeld fan back in the 90s uh, for various reasons. But Jerry Seinfeld, if you're, that, if you're, un, if you're with me for a minute here, he's, he talked about having the vault. If, if you've seen it, I want to see a few notes. And there's no many notes. No, thank you, there's one. That's good enough for me. Thanks. Um, the vault is, of course, if you're told something, you can't open the vault. If you open the vault, it's no longer a vault anymore quoting him directly. Um, <laughs> that, that, a trustworthy workmate, a trustworthy friend, that's what faithfulness is. Um, reliable, loyal brother or sister. Let's pull a few things together. The fruit of the Spirit is about relationships. It's what makes a good friend. And they are about God. These fruit are about God, but they're also about God's people who have God's Spirit in them. People led by the Spirit who belong to Jesus, people who are crucifying the sinful nature, people who therefore have the fruit of faithfulness grow out of them in loyalty, dependability, trustworthiness and truth. I'm going to pray for us and then if there's, there's a, about a... I'm not going to leave long because we've got lots to do today. We've got an AGM meeting coming and we've had lots to do in our service. So let's pray and then a, time for a quick time for a comment or a question. Father, we pray that we thank you, first of all, God, that you are indeed a faithful God Lord, we pray in response to that as we have your spirit in us, as we belong to Jesus, that we would show that same faithfulness in our relationships. Lord, we pray that you'd fill us with your spirit as we do that. Help us to be dependable, loyal, trustworthy, all those things we've been talking about. And we thank you, Lord, that you are indeed that to us. And we say that most of all in your precious son, Jesus, who died for us. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, folks, um, if you've got a question comment um, feel free to yell it out ask a question thanks Jane it's a good starting point it's not what Galatians 5 is talking about but it's a good <laughs> yep Yep. Actually, it's a good way to teach children about, you know, uh, loyalty and uh, looking after each other and that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Jane. Anyone else? Any comment? Question? Uh, <laughs> we hope, um, uh, John said, that, that perhaps dogs are more faithful than people. Um, whew, you'd hope not, wouldn't you? But there you go. All right. Dennis, I think you're going to pray for us, is that right? Yep, great.